0: Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan.
1: And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy.
0: Hey guys! Welcome back to Cheaper Than Therapy. I'm so excited about today's guest.
1: It's funny that you and I were just talking recently about how like the nerd in me wants to bring on people that I can like nerd out with on topics that are like this. Like you know, medical or like I said, neurobiology, and you were like, "Oh dear God." <laughs> <laughs> but
0: for the record, this woman is not talking about neurobiology. No. If you're about to listen, hey, but even Keep if listening. you are, there's a lot
1: of interest in that from a lot of people today. Okay, oh, just because you don't song. think it's interesting doesn't think doesn't mean everybody else doesn't think it's interesting. Um, but I just this this kind of like filled my cup because I feel like we talked mental health, which y'all are used to hearing us talk about, but we also talk to somebody who's doing a lot of really amazing things out there and is bringing like tangible products in order to, to help us. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love talking to her for two reasons. I feel like one, I think we always talk about how can we bring value to our listeners? And I feel like knowing about Kensho Health certainly brings a lot of value to anyone listening. Um, It's like a a system of referrals. And I think like we always need to know um, mental health referrals. So this is a place that people can actually have access to some of this care. But also I love that she is someone that saw, these are things that are, wrong with the system and here's what I'm actually gonna do to be a part of the solution, you know? We all are like venting so often about what is wrong and what are the problems, but I just am so inspired by people who make the decision to actively do something.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you guys are gonna be really um, inspired by her her personal story. And I think Mm. there was a lot of like head nodding on Danae and my sides about like, oh yeah, been there, right? Like experienced a similar kind of vibe or feeling. Um, and just how she then took that experience and let it mold her and shape her and be like the propeller, I guess, that, that pushed her to the action, like you said. Absolutely. Enjoy, guys.
0: Today we have with us Krista Berlincourt. And Krista is the CEO and co-founder of Kensho Health, a company that is focused on bettering the lives of people by making wellness experts accessible. We're so... On board with that, Krista. Yep. Um, Krista is an early appointee of the Forbes Council, a founding member of the Aspen Institute's fringe diplomacy, was named one of the Business Insider's top changemakers in tech, and most recently recognized as Los Angeles's rising entrepreneur of the year. Love that. Um, Yeah. Krista (laughs) is an internationally accredited coach and author who explores the wide world of shame, grief, joy, and all of the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual things that make us human. Krista, we can already tell you're our kind of people and we're
2: so (laughs)
1: excited you're here with us today. Thanks for coming.
2: I'm so excited. Thank you guys.
1: Yeah. Um, So I I think we just want to dive right in, right? I think there's like there's like a twofold question here because we want to hear about you specifically, like, how did you get to the place where you were creating this amazing concept business? I mean, new world kind of way of having, you know, healthcare, everything accessible at your fingertips. Um, And then also what does that look like? Right? Like what was the kind of conception of that, the inception of that? And and where has it gone? I guess the journey to, to kind of become what it is now. That's where do you want question. me to start? Yeah, what we'll do you want to start? start with you. Yeah, we'll with you. tell us about you.
2: <sighs> I was born in Eugene, Oregon, <laughs> November 18th, 1986, almost 35 years from today. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was, I was born in a small town, actually, in the outskirts of a small town. And I, it took me until more recently to really understand how our history, heritage, and effectively our ancestry affect that, like how we were raised and what those values were. Um, in my family our religion was nature Mm -hmm. so you see this tree behind me everybody laughs but you know I work outside why because it makes me happy Mm -hmm. Uh, nature makes me happy and um, my family was a roller coaster I think is a nice way to put it as many families are and um, that brought with it an early adulthood and an entry point into a lot of um, learnings, so a lot of lessons that came, you know, early for me. Um, and I think that also for a while, it held me in this desire to really want to be safe. Mm-hmm. I was like the queen of safety um, through therapy. I now know that that part of me is safety first Sue. She is my mom. Hey mom. Um, and that's a part that she's working to let go of as well. Um, you know, I also had an element of like hopeless Hattie, my grandma and me. Um, and so there's this inherited sort of trauma that came from my family. Um, that led me to play it pretty safe. I stayed and went to college in the town that I grew up in. I was with my high school sweetheart for seven years. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Um, wonderful guy, high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I finally left. I went to the, the faraway town that was an hour and a half away of Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I worked for great tech companies. I worked in transformative technology for Microsoft and for T-Mobile, Deutsche Telekom. And it was really the time of the mobile boom. So, you know, it was the, be- the beginning of people um, understanding that this little thing wasn't just an app, that it was actually a business, mm-hmm. an enterprise that could change everything. And um, that was a great thing. And then I left and joined a company by the name of Simple. And that company, I would say, changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hope that the company I'm building now will do the same for people who come to join us. But you know, it snatched me up when I was twenty-five, and I joined as um, the head of marketing for a company with you know five other male co-founders who could not have been more supportive, better big brothers to really show me the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of when life took off. I started traveling a lot. I joined um, you know the Aspen Institute, and uh, and the company was acquired only two years after I joined. So it was a really fast trajectory, mm-hmm. and because of that really fast trajectory. I burnt out. Um, and you know what I've come to understand now is burnout is kind of like a dirty, it's a dirty word. I feel the same about the word burnout as I do about someone saying they have anxiety or depression or it, as it's some sort of insurmountable thing that you've afflicted on yourself. Hmm. The truth is I just didn't sleep enough and I did too much and my hormones became unbalanced, which is unfortunately pretty standard for most women as they approach 30 um, because you're hungry, you're hustling, and then, you know, things get out of whack, your estrogen and progesterone, suddenly they need to express themselves and they can't. Um, but that led me to really explore the healthcare side of things. Um, and, and when I explored healthcare and I, at this point in my life, I had resources for the first time, you know, coming from, um, we lived well below the poverty line growing up. And suddenly I had the stability that comes with an acquisition. Um, I had the community that comes with being in an early, you know, in a tech company that did well. And I still couldn't get answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, what gives? Like, why can't I fix this? So I was put on a pretty hefty regimen of um, steroids and hormone therapy. And uh, at one point I was hospitalized. I flew from where I was living in Portland to my then partner's house, romantic partner in Austin. I did long distance for three years because like, why not add a little, another variable for exhaustion? <laughs> like, yeah, and I was going to New York every twice twice a month. You know, it's like the Bermuda <laughs> triangle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, when I got to Austin, I was having chest pain and I was already performing and you know, I was already really following the, the hormone regimen from the allopathic, from the conventional doctors. Mm-hmm. And I was having, I thought I was having a heart attack. And I was like, am I really 28 and having a heart attack? Is that even yeah. possible? I'm not even stressed out. And when I went to the hospital, they informed me that it was just that my hormones were so low that my cortisol had reached zero you know, bottom line. And because of that, I couldn't get it back. Like it, it couldn't increase. It needed yeah. more stability. And so they said, we actually just have to give you more hormones more often forever. Oof. And forever is just such a happy yeah, word. A old,
1: I mean, cheese.
2: Yeah. You're like, I'm not even unhealthy. I just, yeah, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so that led me to holistic. Um, yeah.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm so struck as you're, Talking about it, Krista, how much we as a society have normalized living out of alignment? Because similar to what you're saying, I think quite often, whether we're talking about anxiety or depression or burnout, whenever I'm working with clients, if we dig a little deeper, there's some way we're living out of alignment, either whether it's some shadow aspect of self that we need to have a deeper look at, or it's the way that we have just normalized, um, like you spoke to, being in our late 20s and... um, working to a point where I don't feel like I'm stressed out. I feel like everything's fine. And yet the pace at which I'm keeping um, is just, I don't know, like there's not a lot of balance there. And I think it's just, it's important to name that because I think we've sort of, like you said, like burnout means you're doing something wrong or burnout means, you um, you've made a conscious choice to burn yourself out. And I think, I don't know, is it that? Or is it that we are sort of a society that in a lot of ways is out of alignment with the ways that we teach people to work and to
1: strive? You know? Right, being in buildings yeah. with, with these fluorescent lights for 12, 13 hours a day, and you never mm-hmm. see the sunlight. And you never, you know, and I worked in New York in the corporate world for a long time too. And so your daylight hours are even shorter out there. And well, yeah. there would literally be days that would go by that I don't think I saw the sun. It's, it's crazy the kind of effects
2: that that can have on you. Yeah, I think, you know, I look at it now and I'm like, would I do anything different, mm-hmm. right? There's always like that question, like not a damn thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if I went backwards in my career, it's my aspiration after this company to go build more and more and more and more. No, it's to enjoy life also, mm-hmm. um, but it's to enjoy life now. So now the expression of my long days building a company is, you know, living in a tree house. Um, because it makes me happy. And that's how I, I counterbalance yeah. the, you know, really high energy output. But I think the question that we all, not, I think something that only women do. Did you know that that women pot, they women preposition the things we say with, I think, and just say it it's pretty mm-hmm. magnificent. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. But we, you know, as people, we, we label ourselves as being broken. And that's you know, the piece that's cheaper than therapy. I wish that I would have known that so much sooner. Is like, you're great. And there's something that's out of alignment. And so it's not that you were working too much cause you are flawed. It's not that I was burnt out. It was that something just wasn't computing right. Like the math, the math was wrong. Um, and I, at that time in my life I didn't know how to look at that holistically. And I remember going to a naturopath for the first time uh, which was covered by my insurance because I lived in Oregon and we were a progressive employer. There's 13 states in the country that actually cover naturopathy as primary care providers. So, you know, covered by insurance and they can route you to everyone else.
1: That's amazing. And
2: I sat down and they gave me this life wheel. And I was like, what's this? And I filled it out and I thought, eight elements of well being. I really only had my relationship and and my job. You know, I was I was lucky if I slept. Um and those were the two things that I was prioritizing above all else. And I think, you know, for me, that was a wake-up call, followed by many others after, but it's had so much to do with the way that I've served clients. I imagine the way you serve clients and certainly the way that we've built Kensho. Like, how can you give people something that makes that sort of epiphany moment Mm hyper-accessible where you're not labeling yourself as burnt out or anxious or depressed?
1: Well, and I love to what you said. um, And, you know, we ask everybody to kind of give us a little bit of a write-up before they come on. And you were talking about this idea that um, all self-destructive behavior comes from this misguided belief that we're not enough. Right. Mm. And I think as therapists today, and I obviously work with people so frequently on whatever their variation is of I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. Right. Or I'm too much, which is really just the same side of, you know, different side of the same coin. Um, and what you said just a second ago, which is so profound is like, it's not about maybe even convincing yourself that you are enough. Cause I think when some people come into therapy, that feels like this insurmountable kind of belief shift that I have to undergo. Right. And it almost Mm -hmm. feels a little like fake, Mm -hmm. which you can feel in the beginning. Like it's fake to just say, I am enough, you know, and you really don't believe it. But what you just said was maybe instead of thinking I'm paraphrasing, maybe instead of thinking it's not about, I'm not enough. It's like, something's just out of alignment. Like, maybe it's just that simple, y'all. Like,
0: And maybe maybe. what's out of alignment isn't even me. It's the society and the norms that society has created. Like so much of what Chris is saying, like how many people live that way, you know?
2: Yeah, I think, well, that it's like, what if it's just not right for you instead of enough? Mm -hmm. Is it just, Mm -hmm. if you look at the composition of your life and there's Mm -hmm. a big divot because there's a lack of love or a lack of space for learning and growth or a lack of time for family or- an absence of intimate connections with friends, like, of course you're going to feel crappy. Your wheel can't roll. It has right. a, you know, a significant imbalance. And unfortunately, particularly America, it, you know, it is truly unique um, in the way that we approach that and mm-hmm. saying like, you are wrong, this is flawed. You need to pay for a solution. You, you need to fix yourself. You need to buy something. This mm-hmm. supplement, this pill, pill, this, mm-hmm. yeah, take a pill, take a, even supplementation, even, Even like, go buy this class, do this thing, you know, it's what if you just give people the tools and partnered support for self-belief in order to think, well, I just need to shift some things around and the added perspective of another person who's invested in my healing could be really great. Yeah.
0: So as you started to investigate this holistic world a little bit, what did you start to understand about
2: yourself? Oh man, back then, that was a that was a journey. Mm. <laughs> um, I think it was really understanding. I just started to understand myself more. Mm. Um, in some ways, I don't think it, it was about the what as much as the the sum and substance of it. And creating a place of quiet so that I could hear myself—that was the most mm. profound learning. Um, and it's something that I'm being reminded of all the time. You know, I need space to be quiet, and that's different for every person. If you were raised in a a hustling, bustling city and you love it and the chaos and the energy and you go into nature and you feel stifled and, you know, dead inside, I get it. Like mm-hmm. mine's just the opposite. So mm-hmm. I need the nature in order to go hear who I am at the end of the day. Um, and it makes me a better person for me and for everyone else. And I learned that it's okay to need, have needs. Um, you know, I was so used to quieting those needs in order to perform in my role and my relationship and my friendships and my family um, to take care of everyone all the time. You know, I was like never not fixing. And I was the bottom of the totem pole. And I think, you know, over, over the years that followed, I learned that in order to be, to be great and do great things, you got to be the top of the totem pole. Yeah. You know, I, I imagine that's what you work with most of your clients on ultimately at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I mean, even to have good relationships with those people you love, you have to put yourself mm. at the top of the totem pole. Yeah, it's yeah. not
2: selfish. It's yeah. it's in many ways it's funny. It, it's selfless. Mm-hmm. Like to actually care about yourself, there's a selflessness in that because you're. It's because why? Yeah. Ultimately, for most people, it's not because I think I'm the greatest thing and I want to hang out by myself all day. It's because I want to love and be loved. I want to you know, pursue great things and be pursued by great things. I want to expand. I want to, you know, I, it's because I want not, and it's generally for things that are connected to other living being. Yeah.
0: I just loved how much you talked about, you know, this, this journey into holistic healing was really about getting to know myself. I think so much of what Vanessa and I are constantly uh-huh. talking about in terms of the work we do with clients is really around how do I get to know myself a little bit more in terms of getting to know my nature getting to know um my needs yeah what feels true for me Mm -hmm. aside from whatever i've been conditioned to believe should be like that i should be able to thrive in a city if that's not the truth of how it actually feels but but that what i need and my nature are actually that way for a specific reason a lot of times i love to say that's that's where our power lies you know um clearly for you and like watching you in this treehouse, and the way that you are sort of um thriving in what you're building tapping into that has been a real catalyst for you being able to serve in the world you know
2: it also took me a really damn long time to own it you Mm -hmm. know it doesn't mean that i don't love uh european cities or even you know i love I think European cities far more than American cities, but like (laughs) I love art. I love culture. I love music. I love people. I love learning. I love really intense, smart people. I love um, moving quickly for periods of time. Mm. But I remember when I moved to LA, um, I think it was my second day here and I was connected to a friend through a friend and went to my first party kind of dinner party gathering in Venice and I was sunburned. And uh, one of the guys was like, oh, fresh meat. She just moved here. Um, And then another woman next to him was like, you're really earthy. And I was just like, so offended. And then a few weeks later, a good girlfriend of mine, Carly Stein, who's also an entrepreneur. She has a company, Beekeepers Naturals. Hmm. Um, And she was like, she called me, she walked into the house for something and she said, oh, earth mama. And I was so offended. I was like, who are these people? calling me earthy i'm a city person i am <laughs> i am refined and it was this idea of yeah i can enjoy refinement but ultimately in my soul mm. you know in my in my deepest truth it's nature but it took me five years to move into the damn tree house
1: and know. also, doesn't that speak to another part of this idea of like discovering self, which is um, not having to deny certain parts of ourself for other parts of us to actually thrive, right? It's this yes and mentality. I can mm. love cities and culture and fast because I feel like you're speaking my language. Like I can love all of those things and I can love sitting alone quietly outside for hours <laughs> and love every moment of it, you know?
2: Yeah. I think I, in my experience, that has been the biggest learning mm-hmm. It's like, I think that the, there's some destruction, there's deep, I don't, I think there is deep destruction in the way that the the nomenclature, the lexicon that Instagram has given women of Mm -hmm. like, you can have, I can't even like, yeah, you can. And you are like, what do you mean? You can't even that's terrible. Um, Or the idea of like, you can have it all. It's like, it's not about having, it's about Just understanding that it all is what, what is needed to give you fulfillment and ease and joy. And it's not about being greedy, but like architecting your ideal life where, you know, now I'm in Topanga, it's 17 minutes to Santa Monica and to my business partner's house. Um, That's a great thing. The city's right Mm -hmm. there, but it's not my resting place. Um,
1: but that feels like a cultural language thing, right? Like even this idea of you can have it all, or like, you know, I've been talking a lot with people about this idea of moms being superwoman, right. And like how detrimental that language actually can be. Um, and I, that feels also like part of the culture that we live in the air that we breathe, right. Which is like, have, 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 do, 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 um, you know, rather than be, rather than be still, rather than discovery, rather, you know, a lot of these more like feminine, words and qualities and ways of being versus that very hyper-masculine way of being right
2: yes as women the actually one of the women who works on my team Carly was that is out here this week um working on a, a big thing that we're launching so we're really excited about and she was we were talking uh, about you know we had worked all day and we had gone on a hike to move our bodies while we were still working and we'd come home and we had made dinner while she was sending an email for us. And I was, you know, looking through the little, I'm chopping vegetables and we were just doing, doing, doing. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, how do moms do it? How do working moms do it? How do you, do you just get a nanny and your mother and your in-laws and you stop sleeping? Yeah, that, and then all of them and then we, yes. we Yeah, yeah <laughs> we started having that conversation though, which is like, why celebrate that? You know, it's it can, I don't know that we should celebrate the well we should celebrate moms that's incredible but we shouldn't celebrate the the you know she she what's the movie that Sarah Jessica Parker was in it's like she's she's how got does it she all. do it or how yeah. does she do it and Something you're like, like
1: that she
2: doesn't look happy
1: doing yeah it. Right, like exactly. I don't know
2: about how she does it but like how does she feel doing it you know she my functions favorite question-
1: in survival mode all day yeah. every day and then her child feels and suffers from that because she's right. in survival mode and her relationship with her children and her partner suffers from that because she's in survival mode, right? Et cetera, et
2: cetera, et cetera. Totally. People are like wine o'clock, like, Oh, i yeah. want my sixth coffee of the day and it's wine o'clock. And I don't know why I can't sleep. And I'm like, I have got an idea and it is mm-hmm. called stimulants and I get it. But if your life requires you to have coffee and wine to wind up and wind down, like why, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on in your it's daily life that there's not space. your body to follow its own circadian rhythm. Um, If you enjoy wine and coffee, go for it. I don't care. Like enjoy the pleasure of life as well. But you know, I think we just, we make it so hard on ourselves um, by trying to follow this prescribed ideal that's, that's effectively based on a consumer trend, right? Consumerism is trying to sell us stuff and it's like, well, now I'm supposed to only drink matcha and not coffee. And I can have mezcal, but not wine. And I'm supposed to get up at this time and supposed to go to bed at this time and supposed to do this trendy new workout. And you're like, what if you just like what you like and it works for you? Yeah. Yeah. I I love
0: so much that you're bringing this up because I've been having this conversation with so many moms lately that Anne Lamott quote, that's sort of like perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor. And like, what if our activism is pushing back on this I am never enough as a mother, I need to feel guilt because I'm carving out time for myself that it is in any way serving my child, my relationships for me to be this martyr around a life that I am like hating living. Literally, I can't tell you the number of women who are like, I'm like, do you like your life? Yeah, <laughs> like, it feels like you hate your life. Um, and why is that like a choice that we're making? Like that is handing all of our power over to wounded patriarchal systems what if we said I'm not participating in that like I that's that's my activism
1: right and like also to be clear I mean you know we're not this conversation is not talking about the women who have to work 60 hours a week in order to actually put food on the table right that's an entirely different conversation this is like when you find that you're actually choosing that kind of lifestyle because you think it's what you're supposed to do that's, that's yeah, the like, sickness.
2: and that's, I think, you know, as I said, like my mom worked two jobs. She started mm-hmm. a bike store. She was the first female bike store owner in the States, um, you know, in the seventies when it could not have been a, a less friendly environment mm-hmm. to women. Mm-hmm. Um, it was never a business that did well, but it brought her a hell of a lot of joy mm-hmm. working with people every day. Capitalistically, mm-hmm. it was not exactly a moneymaker. Um, you know, my dad, Ran the National Ski Patrol in the Pacific Northwest and was a builder. And it took me a long time to understand. You know, a lot of the things that created volatility in our family were related to money. Um, but the inverse of that is that we were so rich in so many experiences. Mm-hmm. And you know, spending a month on the Grand Canyon and riding horses into the wilderness for three weeks and and all of the things that come with it. There's a lifestyle design. Mm-hmm. And so it's always this exchange of, you know, I. I recently started dating someone who's, who's not American. We were talking about, it's like Americans just think we need so much money and we'll constantly invent needs, um, mm-hmm. in order mm. to spend it. And once we have it, we're trying to figure out what to do with it. Yes. But like, what if the point of life is actually just to enjoy it? Then you're like, Oh God. I mean, I'm not supposed to be a superlative, like it's Mm -hmm. not high, it's not high school superlatives, you're not supposed to be the best, fastest, richest, biggest, coolest, Mm -hmm. you're just supposed to build a life. And hopefully, there's also some selflessness for you feel, you know, an indentured sort of like servitude to the planet, because we get it um, to make it better, leave it better Mm -hmm. than you found it.
1: What a concept. I love it. <laughs> I know I was talking to my business coach actually about this months ago where we were, you know, I'm like putting all these things in place and I'm building these products and I'm this and I'm that and I'm kind of going, going, going. And there was like one point where she was like, started kind of stripping away a lot of the things that I had on my like, quote unquote, to do list or like what I wanted to do. And she's like, do you really want to do that? Or do you just feel like you have to be busy in mm-hmm. order to be worth anything? Right? Because she's like, what I'm hearing, it's like, it's like almost like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth because you're constantly talking about this desire to slow down, this desire to be with your children or your child. This desire, you know, but then you're like, let me build, let me build, let me build. And it's like, I feel like that's not you. That's not coming mm. from you. Right. And let's get really real about what do you want versus what do you think you need to be doing? And I don't know what it was about the way that she said it to me, but there really was this kind of click for me where I was like, oh, right. It's like we were talking about earlier. I can enjoy the fast pace in spurts, it doesn't have to be my constant. It doesn't have to be how I live all the time. I can mm-hmm. do it and then I can step back and enjoy my life that I'm building. And then I can dip in and dip out, et cetera. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that so much of this is like, it's just so real and alive right now when we're questioning so many of these structures that we've never questioned before. Um, but I do wanna kind of shift cause I wanna talk more about Kancho, right? So like- yeah here you are, you're building this amazing company, you know, tell our listeners kind of the ethos of it, but tell them like what it brings. Um, what stage are you at, I guess, in the business? Like, obviously I've stalked the hell out of it, but I'm super curious to be able to, uh, you know, give this info to as many people as possible.
2: Yeah, we, so we launched the business, we raised our first fundraising round. So startups are, uh, for those who aren't familiar, this interesting roller coaster where you really have two parallel lines and one is build it quickly and go as fast as you can, but don't go off the runway. Mm -hmm. And so the runway is while you're building, you're also fundraising, which is kind of like having two kids um, because you're trying to, you're working the kind of the day job with the kids and then the night job of trying to fundraise and make sure that you can feed the kids, (laughs) um, which is just a crazy equation for anyone who has a company. And uh, so we raised our first round in 2019. And then in 2020, Um, We launched early 2020, and we launched as a marketplace uh, for holistic health providers. And we launched just a few weeks before COVID, which is an interesting time to launch a marketplace. Um, Marketplaces are amazing and powerful. They help people find things, but they're also governed by Internet gravity. Mm -hmm. And we were a tiny marketplace in in a big, you know, the wild world of the Internet. And so we really focused that, I would say, 2020 on helping people we asked ourselves the question of, you know, how can we use the thousand providers we have on the platform to help people feel better because Mm -hmm. this year is hard on everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, it was a roller coaster for us as a business, you know, just really trying to ride the waves and know that whatever was meant to be would be. And ultimately we then raised our next round from some great investors and, you know, are are well-capitalized in a great place now, but we've also learned a lot of things about marketplaces and, the dynamics of a business where, you know, you're, you're effectively trying to, to get the the provider, the healthcare provider to pay, to see a patient, but the healthcare provider doesn't want to, because they ultimately have this feeling that they're just kind of entitled to seeing the patient. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what we did is we really listened to our community. And the one thing we kept getting asked for is like, I just don't know how to ride this ride. I don't feel well. And I wish someone would tell me what to do. Like, I don't know if I need a therapist, I don't know if I need a doctor, I just know that I have an upset stomach, or I feel depressed, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know if I have long haul COVID, like, I don't know where to start. And all of that, I don't know, ultimately led us to this place where we're really excited We're launching health coaching, membership mm-hmm. subscription. And so a holistic health coach is really trained in integrative nutrition, but also in what I would call lighter touch, like cognitive behavioral therapy and transformative mm-hmm. psychology. And so making that resource more accessible to people where you're able to order tests and get some clarity into what's going on, you're able to work with a health coach on an ongoing basis. And if you need a specialist, we can route you to that person because we have the nation's largest network of holistic providers. Mm -hmm. So I think companies like Parsley Health did a lot to sort of break ground in this new concept. But that system is also really constrained because what if what you need is a therapist, not a functional medicine doctor? What if you, what you need is a holistic gynecologist? What if what you need is, um, you know, an internist? It really depends on, on what you're dealing with. Um, what if you need a dermatologist? And so now we're at this place where we're able to really service clients to connect the dots. And that's the things that we hear from patients all the time is I just want someone to connect the dots. I just want someone to be there with me. I just want someone to help me figure this out. Mm -hmm. I just want someone to support me in feeling better. Um, And that's effectively what we can offer now, which is really exciting.
1: I love that. I love that. I mean, it's like being able to feel like you have somebody that's like on your team. I mean, we all know this because we've all worked the three of us. I know all work, the coaches and therapists mm-hmm. along our journey, but like somebody who's standing there going, I don't actually know the exact answer for you, but I'm going to stand by you and we're going to figure it out together. And I'm going to support you during the process. That experience or relationship alone can have such a profound healing aspect. Yeah.
2: And the team, I remember actually girlfriend who's coming over for dinner tonight, ironically enough, I remember her talking to me about, you know, she was trying to get pregnant, which is amazing that I'm seeing her because she's now as a two-year-old. Um, and I was just so close along for the ride of really like wanting this so deeply for her to get pregnant. She had a team and she had her acupuncturist and her herbalist and her, like she had a team set up um, to support her through, you know, approaching pregnancy um, holistically. And then ultimately she went with IVF, but that journey And I just remember her saying, like, it's so overwhelming to have such a big team and you're trying to connect the dots. And for us, it's, you know, you want one person who's your day-to-day team, but then you also want a place in a platform that connects it all. Like, why is, why is healthcare so fractured? Why is it so challenging? Why does it feel like it's an uphill battle? And the answer, unfortunately, is that it's, it's really good for capitalism. Um, (laughs) When you can't export your data from one system to another, just like, i worked in phones before this at microsoft like i can't export my apple music to my microsoft music well there's a reason because you don't want me to leave um you know our our goal is to really flatten that system and make it feel accessible and with a coach you have an entry point to wherever the journey takes you Mm -hmm. um we're not prescriptive you know i don't think that anyone needs one thing right but a coach is an advocate who you can talk to on an ongoing basis and make a health plan based on what you're working towards. Like that's that's a powerful thing. Oh my gosh. I'm curious it. for you, when you work with your clients, you know, what's what's the thing that you feel like you're hearing more of right now in this era of life?
0: I mean, I think what is always most challenging and I this is a little bit the question I was curious to ask you about Chris is I feel like I come from community mental health as most therapists do when they start off you have to do a certain number mm-hmm. of hours in community mental health and then um you know those populations are just so underserved and I think you know all of the um the spaces that we worked in are sort of reaching out and, you know, asking alumni to come back and help them because there's just such a surge of people needing some sort of affordable mental health yeah. care. And our country is really not set up to make that easy for therapists. It is like a, a thing <laughs> to work with yeah. insurance companies and follow up with super bills and, you know, circle back around to where, um, they have denied claims and, you know, it it becomes like another full-time job. And so, especially in California, what I find is so many therapists say, you know, we're going to be out of network, you can work it out yourself. And that feels like a deterrent to a lot of people where, you know, as I'm sure you know, and have experienced so often, just making the call to a therapist is such a huge step for people. And then to make that call, and then this isn't under my insurance, and it's going to be a headache, and then I nah, just forget it, right. Forget so I think a lot of times it's um, making it accessible and affordable to people at a time where I think and awareness of how much we need mental health support has surged beyond what we experienced before. And that's,
1: you know, it's like you were saying, it's like, it's, it's such a, it's a two-prong thing though, because it's like making it accessible to people and also making sure that therapists make a living wage, right? And it mm-hmm. seems like it's one or the other. In this country, we ask therapists to give up their ability to survive and make a living wage in order to serve populations that need it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, you have to choose one or the other. And there's a lot of, um, I've experienced a lot of therapist shame in our community around like how many, um, you know, low pay or no pay clients are you taking? Are you working in community mental health? There's like kind of this, this martyr thing around like, well, I work 70 hours a week so that I can see as many, you know, low pay clients as possible. And it's like, but it doesn't have to be either, or that's a systemic issue. You know, we, we shouldn't as therapists have to then say, well, I can, see this many clients and I'll make 35 grand a year if I'm lucky, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, that that goes back to like owning your needs, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: So if if our need requires the violation of another person's, the question's why, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be selflessness and self-sacrifice. and But it's like, is that really the answer? Because there's a lot of other things that are capitalistically covered. Um, and there is now, mm-hmm coverage for mental health and therapy nationwide through Medicare, Medicaid. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we started the company, looking at an integrated network for holistic medicine, I spent most of my investor meetings explaining to people what holistic medicine was, you know, fast forward, there's nationwide coverage for acupuncture, there's nationwide coverage for chiropractic, there's 13 states, as I mentioned, who have naturopathy as primary care provider designation. Um, So, you know, that in many ways is really just a reflection of the United States is a very young country. Yeah. And when we look at Europe, where healthcare has been around longer, because the country has been around longer, regardless of you know the social conversation, the the dominant the amount of money that's spent it's 60% on complementary and alternative medicine. So the majority of healthcare is on integrative. Why? Because you're integrating. And so you know our thesis. Is that you're looking at whole person health? Yeah. Um, therapists are exceptional; they're incredible. And if you have someone who's experiencing depression based on a parasite that's creating candida overgrowth and inflammation in the body that's making them feel depressed, the therapist can't necessarily solve that. And yeah. so you can you can therapize you know as long as possible, but there might actually be a biomarker that's contributing to the symptoms. Um, in the same vein, you know, you look at, at physicians; incredible, but you can medicate someone or let's let go of pills and say, you can test, um, you know, supplement and change diet. But if the thing that's going on is really related to trauma or old patterned behaviors, you got to connect the dots. Right. Um, and unless you connect mind and body, you know, spirit doesn't rise.
1: Mm-hmm. You don't
2: get to a place of feeling like, yeah, this is the life that I signed up for. This is the one I want to live. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was,
1: that was a, that was a powerful statement.
0: I mean, for
1: everybody to kind of on, <laughs> right? without yeah. those two things, you actually cannot have spirit rise. It's so
2: there's literally no way. I, I don't yeah. see a way how, where you can say, well, I have a great therapist, but I don't go to my doctor. You know, I, I feel, different. I feel unwell. Yeah. I feel yeah. something is wrong. I know that I acknowledge it. I'm not addressing it. Or I go to the, I mean, I go to my doctor once a year, I have perfect blood pressure, pressure and my weight is within the normal range. And Uh, My blood work seems fine, but, you know, I'm clinically depressed and I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm, I'm, I'm miserable and I don't talk to anyone about it.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is revolutionary (laughs) because I'm really excited. I'm excited to share this information with our listeners um, because I think it really is empowering to know that this is something that is available. I'd love to hear a little bit about like if I'm someone listening to this and this feels like, oh, this makes so much sense that there's a way to be walked through the process of like what is actually happening with me, um, what, what would be someone's next steps or what could they expect when they look into Kensho Health?
2: Well, let's say that you're, you say, okay, I'm today, I'm going to go online and you look and you find us, you come across an ad or a website and you sign up. The first experience you have after sign up would be receiving your welcome sort of email series where we would ask you some questions that for most people, like, I know I hadn't been asked until I was asked, Um, you know, we'd share a life wheel with you Mm. and we'd say, Hey, let's look at your whole health. Let's, you know, let's support you on your journey to whole human health. And you'd fill that out. And suddenly there would be this moment of clarity where you're actually looking at the whole picture of life for the first time. You know, what What are those markings, one to 10? How do you feel? Um, you'd then make a decision based on what you're experiencing. You know you better than anyone else. Um, if, you, if there's lab tests that you think you want to order, you know, do you want clarity into your blood work? Do you want clarity into your stool? Do you want clarity into your hormones, which would be a salivary test? Um, where you're looking at, you know, your saliva over the course of a day. Um, and with, with that, you'd actually enter your first health coaching visit with so much information. You'd have a sense of your body, right. From these tests, but you'd also have a sense of your mind from looking at this whole person health map. And then we, you'd look at it together with your coach and you'd say, okay, here's what we know. Like, here's what we know based on what you've told me, but now let's dive in. Let's dig in together. And the one thing that I'm so proud of is that our coaches really take the time to get to know you. It's not, you know, I think it's great that there's all of these like, wear a, wear a thing or take a test online, and we'll send you an app, and the app's gonna mm-hmm. tell you what to do. And I'm like, uh huh, because that's how medicine works.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're like, a
2: human. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're right. I forgot. One size fits all is great. We're <laughs> right. we're all gonna look great the same in the same outfit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like we're all just so beautifully unique. And so your coach is going to work with you to make a health plan that is beautifully unique for you. You know, it will be reflective of what are your goals? What are yours? What's your lifestyle? What are your preferences? Mm -hmm. What is it that you want to work on Um, and really help you get clear on that? And, and if that is, you know, there's something uh, from the physical health side of things that you really, that, you know, your tests suggest require deeper, more integrative care. Well, welcome to the nation's largest network of holistic medical providers. We can route you out to that person. There's a referral network and we can have an elegant handoff with your tests with where we can really broker that relationship in the same way that, you know, in the integrative system or I'm sorry, the the allopathic system, conventional medicine, as they call it, um, that your primary care provider does. And hopefully better because because you're going to meet with your coach again in two weeks or a month based on the plan that you pick, right? So I'm like, I think about that now in my journey of finding well being, and I'm like, damn, I wish I had
1: this. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish you know it's like, a, it's because like I always had it. drop-off. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. This idea of drop-off, it reminds me of like, it's it's like having a little bit of accountability actually. Like part of this process to me feels like, there's going to be people that are quote unquote on your team, like not in an overwhelming way, but there's a bit of accountability in that because there isn't going to be this drop off when, you know, in two weeks time, you're coming back together and there's going to be a check-in like, how did it go? Did you talk to this person? You know, what did they ask you? And and you're going to go into that more deeply. I was, when I was a grad student, I was on Medi-Cal, which is, you know, California's version of Medicare. Um, and I have never in my life felt such a burning desire to get in and and help fix a superbly fucked up system in my entire life than when I was in the midst of it. And I could not believe just how horrible and the drop-off and that they just, they were, they were burnt out. Right. So they couldn't care because they just, they had nothing left to care with. I mean, I'm talking about doctors. Um, And I remember thinking like, I am a white person that speaks English as my first language and I am having this much trouble. I can't even fathom Mm -hmm. what it's like. If I were not those two things, right? Um, and so, what came up with me when you said that is just this word accountability is just like so, so such a forefront, I guess, in the forefront for me because of my experience.
2: Yeah, and most people don't have an advocate. Like, what right. if your accountability is also right. someone who's advocating for you? I mean, yes. Um, I I just look at my experience with my own healthcare. Certainly, servicing patients, supporting my family. It's like that is it is just a broken system. If you're awesome. trying to make your way through unscathed mm-hmm. and, you know, the thing that I'm most excited about is that building, in building this product, you know, we really kind of the shift over into coaching came about because we started looking at how we could sell it into the, this offering, you know, this, this adaptation of our marketplace into the enterprise and businesses, yeah. which is again, the non-circuitous journey of, of business as a startup. And one of the conversations we had very early on was with with high intent and high interest was the LAUSD schools, school district. Mm-hmm. Well, what's a better thing that you can do than give teachers a health coach? What if you made teachers feel better? Mm-hmm. Well, then all of their students feel better. Well, what if their students feel better? Then their parents would feel better. Well, that is a great idea. You know, that wow. there's and so for us it hasn't ever been about, and I I know I wish it was. There's every entrepreneur is different, but my co-founder and I we genuinely started this business because we want to help people feel better. Um, I met him on a walk that still strikes me as like the weirdest, most faded conversation. You know, Super the way that people are the like, how times. did you meet your, how did you meet your husband? I'm like, I met my work husband at tea and then we went on a walk for four hours hmm. and then I proposed that we start a company. I proposed, um, <laughs> you know, but I love it. But there is the ability to then scale this into communities that are disadvantaged, that into communities that are at need, to really standardize something where you're supporting people who need help. not, yes. not, And not saying, well, the way to feel better is to go to your primary care provider, have them tell you that there's something wrong with you, give you a pill, make you feel unheard, and then send you on your way. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, or give you a list of referrals and then never... Follow up after
2: that point. I love it. the referral list. Crack me up. I um I sprained my ankle and so badly. Oh my goodness. I mean I, I tore all of the ligaments in my last oh. ankle, which is fine. But again that thing where and then they print out you know a sheet of paper with mm-hmm. two columns and they're like call one of these people and you think like who's good at this? How do I know that they're going to allow me yeah. to run again? Will I ever be an athlete? Um, what have they done? What is the recommendation based on? And they're like I don't know, man. It's just in our system. <laughs> And And these people don't even live in the state anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's not even updated. They they quit
2: practicing during COVID. They don't take your insurance, (laughs) but like, you'll
1: probably walk again. Or Or they don't give you a referral, which is the really fun one. And that was where I ended up during my journey where I was literally in this primary care and I would see a different primary care every time because that's how it works in that system. And I remember looking this woman in the face and going, I am not leaving your office until I have a referral in my hand. You can call the police and have me removed. This is the fourth time I've been here. I'm not leaving. And I remember looking at me with like eyes wide and she like huffed out of the room. And then the nurse came in and I I just like, I'm just going to repeat to you what I said to the doctor. I'm literally not leaving this room without a referral. Well, that's not how the process works. It takes 36 hours. And I was like, well, then I'm sitting here for 36 hours unless Mm -hmm. the police drag me out. I was at that point and they were so flabbergasted that somebody actually said that, like guess who got a referral in her hand within the hour? Love
2: that way to lay it it down, you know, I mean, like, do you guys know the difference between an HMO and a PPO? Do you even know what that means?
1: The only thing I know is that with an HMO, you need to go to your primary care for everything. And with a PPO, you don't, that's the only difference that I know.
2: An (laughs) HMO is basically like your PCP, your primary care provider is they are the wizard. They have the wand Mm -hmm. and when they wave the wand, you can go, Mm -hmm. but if you're a PPO, it's a choose your own adventure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, choose your own adventure can be can feel a little bit uh, ambiguous. You're like, where do I go? I don't know what to do. Um, But having a a layer, an interstitial layer of permission, where every time you want to do anything for your healthcare, you need to consult this one person. It's not that they're necessarily late. I mean, every your body is certainly late. But, you know, me spraining my ankle, miserably being in Austin, Texas, and wondering, like, now, what do I do? And being told that I need to go to pro- my primary care provider in LA in order to get a referral to a doctor in Texas, you're like, do you see the challenge you're presenting? Like, I, sir, Does anything I about this feel
1: crazy to you? I understand
2: you, and I so I so understand you, but my foot is blue and I can't walk, so I'm pretty sure something's yeah. bad. Um, this was do you want me, me. to get my on a plane
1: shut and I was like, yeah. I'm sorry, you're not going to let me go see an optometrist. Why? It's my eye. Oh, you're fine. I'm like, I can't see. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's, it is, it's, a it's crazy making.
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a system. I think, yeah, you know, that my system. last company, we, we sought out to, we, we redesigned banking fundamentally. It was a question of like, how can you build a bank for the way that people work? Not the way yeah. that banks wish people could work, which is like, people move quickly. They use a phone. They don't really want to talk to a teller, and they want to know where their money is at all times. Let's just build that. You know, I think for us, it's mm. we're rebuilding healthcare for the way that people work, which is they don't always feel good, they need to have answers, and they have both minds and bodies. Yeah. And if the two are in in harmony and they're in alignment, then you'll feel great. And if something's not, then you won't feel great.
0: I think this is phenomenal, Kristen. I think you're going to change the way that we yeah. are able to support people in this country. So thank you for what you're doing, truly. Thank
2: you. I'm I'm so excited too. We have a
0: lightning round of questions that we ask all our guests that we want to get to um if we all right. can right all right. on me. <laughs> okay so who have been your greatest influences mentors people that have impacted you the most along your journey up to this point
2: um my mom my dad my business partner mm. the ceo of my last company adam um he molded me
1: mm-hmm. very
2: meticulously um my early mentor at microsoft jill bailey chili bean Mm -hmm. and uh and you know I think school as a whole the Mm. my my university experience and sort of the ability to flourish and explore Mm, beautiful
1: um where do you find yourself or what do you find yourself doing when you are in a state of flow so what's that thing that kind of you know you can blink your eyes and an entire day goes by
2: I'm usually outside. I know that's mm-hmm. shocking. Um, and I'm, I'm generally riding or writing um, or riding a bike. so riding or writing. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm riding often I'm looking at water. like I you know five hours later, I've sat there and drank five bottles of water, looking at water or riding a bike, or just with people I love. like and you know, it doesn't really matter what we're doing. Having a great conversation like this where you're learning so much about other human beings. And what breaks your heart, Krista? Uh, a lot of things. Um, I honestly seeing people who aren't happy, who aren't feeling, you know, watching, I think that there's a thing when, when someone reaches this place and they believe that the suffering simply is the way it mm-hmm. is. They're like, well, that's just life. And I think, ah, oh, it doesn't have to be like the, the losing the fighting spirit or losing the belief that you deserve to feel wonderful. Yes. um yeah that breaks my heart yeah.
1: and then the last one is very serious what is your favorite food
2: oh um let me check in with myself on that one i think i'd say <laughs> brussels sprouts it's a tie Whoa, between brussels sprouts and broccoli first brussels sprouts <laughs> that's the that first time <laughs> brussels sprouts there's like a way that you pan, you cut them directly in half lay them on the pan flat in olive oil so that they're they're pan fried for very briefly, like eight minutes, and then just a little bit of lemon juice. I gotta eat that every day. This is a healthy woman.
0: Okay. I'll try it. <laughs> okay. I hate Brussels
2: sprouts. I, I swear I it's it so version. good. <laughs> We oh owe that God. genius to my ex-boyfriend. He's like, uh, <laughs> like, "Wow, you are just a culinary king." <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is amazing. Oh, well, Krista, thank you so much for doing this. I think it's just really incredible to know that Kentrell Health is out there, and um, I'm just so excited to have this information. So, thank you. Thank you yeah.
2: both so much. It's been amazing. It's been really enjoy, great chatting with you. Enjoy the rest of your treehouse day. I know. Totally I want to be with you are. Yeah. You guys
0: will see in the video. It looks amazing.
2: Next time you're in LA, come up and have dinner. We are.
1: Don't worry. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, but you're, I guess, well, towards Topanga. Come up, have dinner. I mean why not?
1: Yeah. <laughs> we have to. We'll hit you up. All right. All right. Bye, thank you care, Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining
0: us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast.